At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this edition of Finsider Radio, we will run down training camp that begins for the Miami Dolphins on Thursday. First practice open to the public and first practice for the entire team. What can we expect from all the different positions on the field and all the different groups? Who's going to stand out? Who are we keeping our eyes on? We're also going to answer your questions from the Finsider Radio mailbag. Take a trip around the NFL for all the latest news and then end Finsider Radio with quarterback talk and the debate between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Join me, Houts and Sutton, on this week's Finsider Radio. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matthew Kanata. I'm joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And yes, we are back for another season of Miami Dolphins football, another season of Finsider Radio. And as we begin another season of Finsider Radio and Miami Dolphins football. We're going to bring back a few segments that have been popular with the fans in the past and a few new ones as we go along the way. It's basically a revamp in the middle of the stream as you're paddling upstream, changing things, doing whatever you got to do. And as you know, we are now going to five days a week. As you've heard on the Finsider Daily from all three of us already actually this week, 
and it will continue throughout the rest of the season. And you'll get a mixture of all three of us on Fridays. And again, just a reminder, I'll be coming to you on Mondays. Sutton or House will be coming to you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. The flagship will be on Thursdays. And then you'll get a rotation of us, as I just mentioned, on Fridays. Helts and Sutton, I think we've had a lot of fun this week doing things on our own. I don't have to worry about you guys messing things up on my part. I know exactly what I'm doing. I hit record, I hit end, I upload, and we are good. For you guys, it seems like it's a little more complicated on your end. I'm basically a technology kindergartner, so any any handheld holding is appreciated. Yeah, I struggle from time to time. I've been having a hell of a time this last 24 hours trying to record that by myself, so I desperately need you, Matthew Kanata. Uh, basically, what you're telling our fans, though, is if they're not sick of us already, they will absolutely be sick of us by the end of the 2019 season. Listen, we have to throw some competition out there. We can't let people be running wild out here on the Twitter streets and the podcast streets while they're going five days a week uncontested. It is time for us to step up the game, step up the competition around the NFL, around Miami Dolphins football, and bring a new level to the fans. Listen, as I said on, on the Finsider Daily on Monday, there is a ton of Dolphins content coming out every single day. One show is not enough. And if you want all the latest news, all the latest analysis, all the latest opinions on Miami Dolphins football, the one place you need to tune in is Finsider Daily and Finsider Radio. But yes, you're absolutely right, House. If they are not sick of us, they will be soon. So they're our wives. Uh, yeah. They've been sick and, of us for a long time. In the time, process be of being sick of us. Basically, I think we spend more time with each other and our followers and our fans than we do with our own spouses. My my wife little, literally went, mm-hmm, right behind me. When you, when you told her that you're going five days a week or just now? Just now. I have to point this out, and I know no one can see this, but Sutton is on his webcam behind him. Do you see all those seats, all those baby chairs? Is, is that what I'm seeing there? Is that for <laughs> real? That you, you, missed, you, you missed the end of the show last week that is because so we, were, funny you said that. we were talking I about the assembly line back there. Yeah, I told you I don't listen to podcasts. I listened to the first <laughs> few minutes so I could have an understanding of what I had to do, and I still failed. So sorry, guys. I, I saw. I literally brought that up last show. It's so funny. Like, yes, there's a whole assembly line of – uh, high chairs and everything else up there inside his house. And I'll be going to see Sutton in a few weeks. Uh, Hall of Fame weekend. We've been credentialed with Pro Football Network, and we are going to go there, cover all the events there. And Sutton, it's going to be a great time seeing you and staying at your house. Just hope you don't do anything crazy. Yeah, if you're over at the assembly line, you know, if you feel like eating something without having to use your hands, uh, just go ahead and sit down. We, we have a contraption that can just kind of shovel things in your mouth. Uh, what? <laughs> I was just—I was just gonna say. You said just don't don't do anything inappropriate to me, son. I was just thinking. Well, if he does, we'll know in nine months for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sutton does want to have a, a chess tournament with me, though. So I'm not really sure what that's all about. But yeah, I guess we'll be playing some chess when I come down there. We're I've never played we're chess. We're gonna stay up all night. I can't wait. All right. Training camp for the Miami Dolphins opens Thursday morning. If you're listening to us on Thursday morning, then we are getting ready for all the latest updates and news that is going to come out of South Florida from all the beat reporters and all the fans that are in, in attendance. They will kick off um, right on the field right away. Uh, plenty of seating, plenty of shaded seating for the fans, which is something they've just implemented in the last few years, which is going to be great for the fans, obviously, in the hot heat. But uh, – you know, just an all-around great atmosphere for all the fans to get up close to the players. And it's only open for a few weeks. 
It's not going to be open, obviously, for the entire preseason. Training camp practice one at 9.40 a.m. Training camp practice two on Friday, again at 9.40, and three at 9.40 as well. This is a slight change from the Adam Gase era. He had practice a little earlier uh, just to try to beat the heat. And, you know, when you think about it, this kind of makes a little more sense. You're still not in the very hottest day of the afternoon where you have that, like, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock time frame where the sun is shining the brightest. But you're still getting out there where the heat is starting to pick up. And we all know that the Miami Dolphins' best advantage in September and sometimes October is the heat. So I kind of like this, what they're doing. Um, you're not going to put these guys through hell and high water in training camp and go out at 1 o'clock and simulate an actual game time. And that doing so would be reckless and, you know, counterproductive, in my opinion, to getting them adjusted and having productive practices. But I think this is the next best thing for that. Sunday, another practice, 9.40 a.m. And they have Monday off, Tuesday, July 30th. 10.30 a.m., Wednesday, July 31st at 9.40 a.m., Thursday, August 1st at 9.40, Friday, August 2nd at 9.40, Saturday, August 3rd is a scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium at 1 o'clock. That will be a basically get into the groove of a game schedule, do all the pregame stuff, do all the halftime stuff, and just kind of get that practice run there before your first preseason game. Monday, August 5th is uh, training camp practice number nine, training camp practice number 10 to the public is Tuesday, August 6th. And that's when training camp practices will end to the public. So lots of things to watch for over the next several weeks as the Dolphins head into training camp in the preseason. And as they eventually get ready for week one against the Baltimore Ravens, and we're going to run down the different position groups here. We're going to each pick a player. We're all not going to talk about the same position group. We're each going to pick a player that we have our eyes on in the various position groups on the team. We're going to start with you, Sutton, in the tight end group. We know that tight ends uh, underperformed actually in all years under Adam Gase. Uh, we were very excited because he made Julius Thomas, or we thought he made Julius Thomas, into what he is uh, or was at some point in his career. When the Dolphins drafted Mike Jaziki, everyone got very excited about that too because of his athletic freak uh, intangibles and everything else. We all know how that turned out in year one. This year, you got Jaziki, you got Dwayne Allen, Nick O'Leary, Darren Smythe, Clive Walford, and Chris Mayarik. So, Sutton, as you look down this position list, what are you really looking for as we head through training camp? Definitely seems like the way this group has been constructed is to get Jaziki freed up and away from the line of scrimmage where he probably should have been way more than he was last year. My pinned tweet on Twitter is some of the research I did on Mike Jasicki, and he was kept into block for Miami and, and passing situations an overwhelming amount, more than Jesse James, more than uh, Kyle Rudolph, more than uh, a lot of other tight ends in this league. So he's disproportionately he held in to block during passing situations, which, which seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? So I think the whole goal of bringing in, you know, there's the running joke. We had like eight tight ends at one time. We seem to uh, want to really get that in-line tight end situation figured out so we can get Jasicki split out wide in the slot, moving him around and creating the one-on-one -on -one matchups that we brought him in to do. So I, I'm kind of putting Durham Smythe on notice. So when you when you go through that list, you know, you have Nick O'Leary, Dwayne Allen's on the PUP, Clive, Clive Walford's in there. Is Durham Smythe going to be able to distance himself at that tight end two spot away from some veterans that have been brought in that are 
more familiar with the things that Flores likes to do, or at least uh, assuming a lot of the same principles from the Pats offense comes over, uh, you would like to see, uh, you know, what's going to happen with Smythe there at the tight end two spot, 176 snaps last year. So not a, a whole lot to go on was largely just left in to block. And he's going to have to show that's his acumen because I think uh, that's going to be the competition right there is who's going to be uh, that guy who can come in and, and block at a high level with the occasional, uh, occasional leaking out, into a route combination um, because I, I think there's no doubt that Mike Jasicki will be the most heavily targeted tight end in the passing game. And then when you go around the uh, different part of the offense there, you look at the wide receiver group, how it's, you know, you go from the tight ends to the wide receivers and in Adam Gase's offense, we, that was kind of an extension of that. We saw Jasicki <laughs> spread out wide a little bit. We've seen it in the past. Can we expect the same thing with offensive coordinator Chad O'Shea or can we expect the same thing with the two tight end sets and the wide receivers being the wide receivers there? And then with that wide receiver group, who is that guy you're looking at? Okay, well, I do think the Dolphins are definitely going to use more of those two tight end sets. I know that'll help counter, like Sutton said, the poor offensive line play that we do expect the Miami Dolphins to have this coming season. But whether or not I think they're going to sit there and come out in two wides and two tight ends, I don't foresee that. I think if you look at New England style offense, you see that EMP style of offense, you see that spread formation. You got four or five wide receivers. I think the Dolphins receiving core, uh, a lot of people are unfairly judging them, in my opinion. I know Omar Kelly, a few weeks, it might even been months by now ago, asked which position has the most depth. I tweeted, I believe the wide receivers. He obviously countered that. I know we were going to talk about that in a former episode or a prior episode of Finsider. We never got around to that. So uh, I'm just going to talk about now real quick. For me, I like this receiving core, and I think that they have potential all throughout. We know Devontae Parker, got he's coming back, you know, new year, new him. Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson coming back from injury. Kenny Stills, a guy who, in my opinion, is severely underrated. But when you look at these guys, for me, the one man that sticks out, and I mean, I've been pounding the table for him since, you know, almost all offseason long. It's been Albert Wilson. I think that he is the most dynamic playmaker on this offense. I know I might get some uh, – some get catch some slack for that but I think what Albert Wilson did in those in that small sample size if he can stay healthy I think that he could be one of the most explosive playmakers in the NFL I think you know with all that stuff going on there in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill I do think that you got to got to imagine that maybe Andy Reid has a little bit of buyer's remorse letting uh, Albert Wilson hit free agency because I think his skill set is going to be perfect in this Chad O'Shea offense and when you look at the offense I mean you saw what New England has done up there I mean they have had Bad, bad wide receiver. I, you don't want to say bad. I mean, they've had the the Brandon Cooks and, you know, the Randy Moss. They've, they've had these decent players, uh, the Edelmans, the Amendoles. They have solid receivers. But at the end of the day, I mean, they basically plug and play these guys. And I think when you look at their roster compared to Miami, when you look at some of these other teams compared to Miami's depth chart, if they can stay healthy, if those receivers can stay healthy and they can reach that full potential, I think the sky's the limit. One guy I do need a quick touch on Preston Williams. I think that 2019, he might not quite see those snaps that we expect, but I think when all is said and done, I think he could be what we expected Devontae Parker to be many years ago. And you're right about Albert Wilson. Before he went down for the injury last year, he was averaging 15 yards per reception, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. He had four touchdowns on the year as long was 75 and uh, caught 74.3% of his targets, 11.2 yards per target. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is that starter to open the season, we can see a lot of fireworks in this offense in terms of the deep ball. And, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the greatest when it comes to sustaining a long-term success on a team as a starting quarterback. But when he is in there, fireworks can fly, and they likely will fly. 
Don't want to harp on that too much as we will get into the quarterback situation later on in the show. But I do want to move to the running back position, and I'm going to talk about that between Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj. You have Chandler Cox in there as well. You have other guys that, that will be getting some rotation there with Miles Gaskin and Kenneth Farrell fighting for a spot, Patrick Laird fighting for a spot. And can't forget about Mark Walton as well, who is a dark horse to make this team. But, you know, coming coming from the Cincinnati Bengals, being drafted but by the Cincinnati Bengals and then having you know second year of experience drafted by them in May 2018 and waived by them back in April of this year. He was a junior entry and a one-year starter from Miami only over his three-year career. Only in 2016 did we really see him get a full dose of action and carries as a feature back. As a freshman in 2015, he was mainly a kick returner and pass catching back, but took over the team's spot on the depth chart at the University of Miami in 2016 and produced a third-team all-ACC performance. So I, I talk about Walton a little bit because – I, I, like I said, I think he's a dark horse. I think he's getting that second chance to be in Miami. And when you look at the Dolphins' depth chart, when you look at Drake and Balaj, who are guaranteed to make the team, yes, you got Miles Gaskin, yes, you got Faro, and yes, you got Laird, and I, they're not going to make the team. I think his biggest competition will be Miles Gaskin, but I do think he's going to get that hometown edge over there just because he's acclimated to everything so he may be a little more comfortable and just has been in the NFL before as well. Moving off of that, you've got Chandler Cox, who looks like he's going to play the uh, fullback position and the true fullback position. And I kind of look at this running back rotation as a three-headed monster that was in New England, right? You had Rex Burkhead, you had James White, and you had Sonny Michelle. So who are those in the Miami Dolphins offense? For me, Kenya Drake is the James White, Kalen Balaj is the Sonny Michelle, and Chandler Cox is the Rex Burkhead. And I say that because, you know, Michelle is more of a downhill runner, and so is Balaj. Drake is more of that shifty guy, guy coming out of the backfield catching passes, and so was James White. And Burkhead is more of that put your nose in someone's face, run them over, block, get outside, and get in everyone's faces, you know, there and pushing them forward. And I see Chandler Cox doing that same kind of thing. So I don't think you're going to see a featured running back on this team. I don't think you're going to see a featured starter. The problem with Drake, we know from the past, and Gase said this as well, and Gase was very accurate with this, is that Drake tries to go for the home run too many times and doesn't just stick to the script and, and, and follow the play. And that's why Frank Gore was a starter last year. Even though he was only averaging like three or four yards of carry most times, he was still picking up that yardage that allowed Adam Gase to continue his script. Now you can make the joke that said it really didn't help much because there was so many three and outs and the offense struggled to move so many times, and that's why people were getting frustrated that Kenyon Drake was not in the game as much. So we will see. I think I think uh, we're going to see a lot of different usage out of Drake this season. I think the offensive coaching staff is going to find ways to get him in space where he needs to be, and I think that Drake is going to have a nice bounce-back year. But don't discount Balaj getting just as many carries, just as many targets, and just as many opportunities to establish himself as a guy that Dolphins can count on moving forward in the future. Because as we know, Drake is entering a contract year. He's going to want some money. And we've seen around the NFL running backs not making the money they expect to make on the open market. And it seems as if a lot of teams just churn out running backs, use them for four to five years, and then move on to the next one. And if Balazs can prove himself this year, then if a guy like Mark Wallen or Miles Gaskin can cement themselves as the number three guy, that's just a nice succession plan into the future years. So, like I said, you know, watch Drake, watch Balazs, watch Cox, 
three-headed monster, I think they're going to do a lot of great things, and especially with this offense, the way it's probably going to be structured, we're going to see them a lot in space and catching a lot of balls out of the backfield. Moving now then to the defensive side, before we get to the offensive line side, just to kind of mix it up here, we're going to go to the other side of the ball again and hit up on Sutton, and he's going to talk about the defensive backs. And we know, as we talked about on Finsider Daily in last week's episode as well, secondary is a major area of concern and so what have you been seeing from that yeah no question major concern and exacerbated by the fact that we might have not much of a pass rush so that's a pretty dangerous combination there but kind of the things that i'm looking for i, I feel really good about minka i i feel good about Xavier. Everything else is there's a little bit of question marks there. The two guys I'm going to be kind of watching in this camp, uh, one's Bobby McCain, because if we're going to take some of those preliminary reports that Bobby McCain is going to be playing free safety, I'd like to see how he's moving around out there and getting adjusted to those things. And, hey, you know, is this a true story? Is he really going to be playing uh, free safety most of the snaps? Or is this really going to be a positionless defense and we're just getting all caught up in these positions because that's what fans do uh, so, so maybe we're making a, a mountain out of a molehill but at any rate if we do take that report at face value and he's going to be playing free safety I want to see how he's moving around uh, we need a strong back end with this defense and not to mention if they are going to move him to free safety he's still listed as a corner on the official team site so if they do move him to safety i'd expect them to move him to safety real quick because i would think that the team wants to pay him like a free safety and not a corner but anyway uh getting ahead of myself another player that i would like to take a look at is cornell armstrong he drafted in the sixth round in 2018 and I just want to see if he's going to be something more than a special teamer. And I think this year is the best year. I mean, this is his shot, I think, to to be able to, to be a boundary corner with the Miami Dolphins. I, I He has Eric Rowe in front of him. I don't think, you know, all, all respect to him, I, I don't think Eric Rowe uh, is our top choice for a, a second corner. So if he ends up winning that position, it's – a, a kind of a testament to the depth underneath of him. So I'm really hoping that someone young like Cornell Armstrong can really make a push and uh, and get some more snaps playing cornerback and, like I said, see if he's something more than just a special teamer. Uh, the, the, the thing going against Cornell is he just – he has a smaller wingspan. You know, he's, he's probably two-inch shorter – uh, wingspan so it just affects the range of balls that he's able to uh, get his hands on so uh, just hope that he's able to take advantage of the window of opportunity he has here and uh, carve a niche in the league moving down to the level right below the secondary the linebackers you've heard a lot of talk about jerome baker house and what he may be doing for the dolphins this year brett yaris talked to Sutton on Finsider Daily earlier this weekend and said the Dolphins are like Ben Banigou, who was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the second round of this past year's draft. And they liked him because they wanted to use him as a Dante Hightower type of role. And obviously they didn't get him, but now we hear all this talk about Jerome Baker. For me, that's no coincidence. I think we can see Jerome Baker all over the field this coming season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about the run, uh, linebacking core, we got to talk about all of them. But if you want to talk about who is, in my opinion, and I think, as you just said, in a lot of people's opinion, is the best linebacker on the roster, and that could be Jerome Baker. Whether or not I see him being that 
you know, the Requ- or, uh, Dante Hightower guy who I was enamored with. I know you guys do remember that. I was obsessed with that man at one point. But I do think that Jerome Baker is is probably the best, again, the best linebacker on the roster. But for me, I'm looking at Raquan McMillan, and I know we're going to talk about the rest of this linebacking core. You know, Mike Hall starting on the pup. Quentin Pauling, a guy that, you know, came on Finsider Radio. Can't forget that. Shout out to you, man, because you were one of our first guests. And that was big, great. Yeah, that was incredible. AVG, a guy who, you know, a lot of people want to compare him to maybe a Kyle Van Noy. Maybe he's going to have a similar role like that. Uh, Chase Allen and then Kiko Alonso, a guy who is gets beaten by the fan base. I mean, he's very good against the run, very bad against the pass. I mean, he's solid, I guess, in zone. But overall, Kiko Alonso is just an overpaid hitting machine that's one day going to be out of league with, uh, all sorts of head problems. I mean, as sad as that is to say, Kiko Alonso plays as reckless as anyone. Yeah. But again, for me, Raquan McMillan is the stud that I continue to talk about. I feel like I should go somewhere else with this, but I'm not going to because he is the guy that I think is going to be that Dante Hightower type player. I think he's going to be a legit three down middle linebacker. I don't know. They'll probably take him out, obviously, in those passing downs and bring in someone a little bit better in coverage. We'll see how that plays out here in uh training camp and as we get closer to the start of the regular season. But last season, he played 831 snaps, 60. 76.31%. Uh, so, I mean, it, he definitely looked the part of a middle linebacker in the NFL. I mean, last year was essentially his rookie season, and a lot of people forget about that. Had had uh, put up some pretty decent numbers, 105 tackles, 36 solos. So, I mean, he didn't have any sacks. He didn't have any interceptions. He didn't have any of those, uh, those sexy statistics. But what you saw was a guy that was overcoming the injury that, you know, it it would affect the way you played. And he looked a lot slower than he did in college. He looked a lot less certain of what he was going to do. Uh, looked like he over, over pursued a little bit too much at times last season, but overall, I think Raquel McMillan is going to be the apple of this coaching staff. side. I think he's going to see the biggest jump this season. I do think that again, if you look at his college tape, he was a very, very good linebacker. You didn't see the same flaws that translated to the NFL last season. But again, for a rookie that just got thrown in there, a starter, he, he called all the plays in the defense. I mean, the, the guy could can do it all, and I, I keep saying it. I know it might not have came out on tape, but I, I believe in Raekwon McMillan, and I think at the end of the day, he will be the best linebacker on this roster. You love Raekwon McMillan so much. I do. Sure, a lot on him. Yep. I guess it's really out on all of these guys. And I did finish that with saying he's the best linebacker on the roster, which completely contradicted what I said earlier. I do believe Jerome Baker is probably the most talented. All right. We'll take that and move on then to the bottom level of the defense and look at the defensive line. And I'm going to touch on that quickly. And a lot of talk has been around the defensive line because on paper, the defensive line is not very good. You got Christian Wilkins, first round pick who should be able to make an impact this year. You got a King Spence who underachieved last year. But you got Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor. People are forgetting about them. They're going to disrupt the middle of the defensive line. And like we've been hearing about all offseason, we're going to see a lot of mixture of 3-4 and 4-3. And, you know, when you when you see that, you have the ability to move people around a bit and really get them to what can be a strength for them and getting them lined up in the right position. Beyond that, you got Adolphus Washington. Who? You got Joey Mabu. Who? Corey Thomas. Who? Jamiris Pittman. Who? Deval Quiddo's NATO, who? Charles Harris. can say who to that, too. Jonathan Ledbetter, who? Dwayne Hendricks, who? So it's really dependent on Devon Gottschalk, Vincent Taylor, Christian Wilkins. We need and praying for Charles Harris to get where he needs to be this year. And I think in a 3-4, he can get better. Don't know if he'll ever excel to be worthy of that first-round pick, but he can get better in a 3-4. 
Jonathan Woodard, also a decent role player, not going to light the world on fire. Tank Carradine and Nate Orchard as well, but none of those guys are going to, you know, light it up and be that dominating presence. So it's really, you know, how you just talked about the linebackers. Raekwon, Kiko, Jerome are going to have their hands full because I do expect this defensive line to give up some leaks in the run game, give up some leaks on the edge there. And if our linebackers can contain them, it becomes a different story. If not, if our defensive line cannot get things going, it's going to be a long, long season on the defensive side of the ball. But again, Christian Wilkins coming from Clemson, the first-round pick number 13 overall. Disruptive in college. Had a great camp. Looks going to be destructive in training camp and as we head into the regular season as well. Howitz, I know you have some thoughts, and I'm going to bring you into this because I know you have some thoughts on Charles Harris over the past few years. just want to kind of get that out there and see how you think he can respond to the new coaching staff this year. For me, I mean, I, I was at that draft, and I I still remember when he got drafted, I was sitting there recording it, and as soon as his, his name was called, I just kind of put the phone down, and I was just like silent. I was like, what the hell did they just do? It was a do? really odd pick, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you, you hear about all the things that he did in college and you know how he was going to transition to the NFL, and it just seemed like he was better suited for a 3-4 defense. And we know that with Brian Flores coming in here, we keep talking about this hybrid defense. You know, anyone that sits here and tells you how it's going to look is probably just fooling you because training camp starts tomorrow. We probably won't even know what how they're lining up then because they're going to be so secretive about this thing. So, I mean, it is probably going to be more of a three, four defense. And to me, that is what he is better suited as is one of those outside linebackers that's coming off the edge. You know, he is a one trick pony. I mean, you look at his, his move set and it looks like he just has a spin move that if that doesn't work, he just looks lost. And I mean, for a guy that you drafted in the first round, a guy who you had high hopes for, you need more than that. And I, I don't know if we're going to see it, but I do think that if any coaching staff can bring this out of him, I do think it's this coaching staff, Brian Flores, Patrick Graham. I do think those guys, you know, Brian Flores was a former linebackers coach. He, he can work those outside linebackers. He can work those edge rushers. He, he's developed players throughout his time everywhere he went, including New England. I mean, he was there forever. And you can't tell me that he didn't have his hand in some of those players that just went from being, you know, absolute unknowns to, to superstars. So I do think that Charles Harris has the potential this season to be what, you know, we many people had thought he could become. I'm not sure anyone really had these high expectations, but when you look at the defensive ends, when you look at these edge rushers, there's really no one else there. So I know they released J. Ron Elliott today, so I don't know if there's another roster move about to be made there, but the defensive edge, I mean, that edge position is just it. I don't know where we're going to get pressure at the quarterback, and to me that is scary because for as good as these defensive backs are, I mean, you can sit there and talk about the the the, the Minka Fitzpatrick's and, you know, the Xavier Howard's and you can talk about Eric Rowe or whoever's going to fall in there. But if you can't get to the quarterback and they just stand back there and they have all day to pick you apart, it, it's going to, it's going to be bad. And we hope that they will get better going up against the Dolphins offensive line and training camp. But there are still some questions about that as well. You have some of the line that's set. You have Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. That is pending and he is not going to change there. At left guard, you have that competition between Chris Reed Michael Dieter, who was drafted this year, and Will Holden. Center, Daniel Kilgore is your starting center. Right guard, Jesse Davis, looks to be that guy that's going to be there. At the right tackle spot, that's up in the air as well because you have Jordan Mills competing with Zach Stirrup and Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince, the draft pick from this past draft, hoping to get that starting spot. Of course, the coaches would love to get him that starting spot, but he is going to come in with some flaws, with some fundamentals that he needs to clean up. And Jordan Mills, just being in the NFL longer than him, obviously, has that experience over him. So it won't be a huge surprise if Jordan Mills does get that nod at the right tackle position. 
So really, as we go through training camp, you got two open spots on the offensive line. The left guard position, the Dolphins would love to see Dieter grab hold of that and take that starting spot. And Isaiah Prince as well. You got two rookies there. If you can do that and have Jesse Daniel Kilgore and Laramie Tunsil fill in the remaining spots, I think you're going to have a serviceable offensive line. And when Josh Rosen comes into play, it's going to be able to protect him. Now, don't forget the Pro Football Network offensive share metric and offensive tackle performance grade has rated Laramie Tunsil as one of the elite left tackles in the National Football League. Top three of the tackles they've graded so far. They still have some work to do in the film room there and grading all these tackles. But Laramie Tunsil is that guy who doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, mainly because he's on a poor team who doesn't rack up the wins and doesn't get the national recognition that other teams get. If Laramie Tunsil keeps it up, he is going to be continue to be an absolute stud because he already is an absolute stud. But that payday is coming very soon, and the Dolphins don't do anything to lock him up before he hits the open market. They're going to have a very tough time keeping him because his price tag will be extremely high. Because as we all know, left tackles are an absolute premium in the NFL. Dino Kilgore getting injured very quickly last year. Looks to come back. Smart guy. Very, um, what's the word? Cerebral. Going to help out guys like, I don't want to say Fitzpatrick because Fitzpatrick is just as smart as him. It's not smarter. Rosen is very smart as well. But Kilgore is going to help the guys next to him, whether it's Dieter or Reed and Jesse Davis on the right side there. Now, the only question becomes this. If the Dolphins can't find the serviceable right tackle out of Jordan Mills, Zach Stewart, Isaiah Prince, they'll likely move Jesse Davis to right tackle, kick one of those guys at right guard, probably maybe start Chris Reed at left guard, move Dieter over to the right guard, or vice versa there. So a few things can still move around. Those positions aren't totally inked in paper yet. So we will see how it all shakes out, but obviously the ideal situation is that Mills or Prince grabs hold of the right tackle position with conviction, and Reader Deiter does grab hold of the left guard position with conviction as well. Overall, all these position groups, we will see injuries happen. Let's knock on wood and hope for no injuries, no serious injuries during training camp. We've all seen what happened with the Atlanta Falcons with their two injuries right off the bat there, devastating injuries to start training camp. So as long as you get out of training camp injury-free with, with serious injuries, then I think it's been a successful training camp. Brian Flores has his work cut out for him. So does the rest of the Dolphins coaching staff. It is the beginning of this rebuild, the beginning of a new future in Miami. Can they do it the right way? Can they build it the right way? This coaching staff is full of teachers. We're looking forward to it all. Any last thoughts, House and Sutton, on these position groups? Just excited to, to see how all this unfolds. Uh, a lot of competitions across the board, so uh, this really could go a number of different ways. Yeah, and I know we – I feel like we have to say this every year, but fans need to temper their expectations. And, you know, if a player makes a big play in training camp or, you know, mm-hmm. is underperforming, don't go on Twitter and, you know, overreact or underreact. Like, just just let it go. I mean, this Dolphins team is rebuilding. I mean, it's clear as day. We should be excited because I think Brian Flores gives us the best chance that we've had in some time. But, again, that could just be the optimist in us and – you know, I'm just excited for football to finally back because it's been a long, long wait. With that in mind, let's head over to the Finsider Radio Mailbag, which we are bringing back for this coming season. And lots of questions coming in through our DMs on Twitter and to our email box. First one is from Yvonne from Twitter. I heart, I sweetheart is that that's her Twitter name. You know, E and H in the heart. But she asks this. This is a very interesting question. The Miami Dolphins are finally going to the Super Bowl, and she's talking to me here. You get your hands on two free tickets. You can only take one, Houts or Sutton. 
who are you taking? And uh, this is a really tough question. I'm not sure I want to answer it with you both on the air. No, you have to. I think so I, already answered, I already answered it for you, but you can go ahead. I've been thinking about this question since that came in three hours ago. And um, here's I know, my I know how I'd answer it for you. Here's my answer. I'm taking you both. You know why? Because Pro Football Network is going to be credentialed for the Super Bowl. We'll have our press passes, maybe one press pass if that's, <laughs> that's what it's going to be. But I'll have two extra passes to hand out to my buddy's house inside, and we'll go party in Miami all week long. How about that? You are uh, such a politician. Yeah, yeah, so let's, just, out of that. let's just say you got two press passes, but only one Super Bowl ticket. Then who are you taking with you to the press box? <laughs> you, can't get out of, you can't get out of this one. Uh, man, I don't know. I'd probably start an auction between the two of you. <laughs> start an auction. Look at look at how clean cut Sutton looks compared to me. I mean, just look at me. He's, he looks nice. He's wearing a, a nice polo. I mean, do you really think I'm going to go into a press box looking like uh, what, whatever I look like? <laughs> well, okay. Here, here's the flip side of that, though, Houts. Okay, so when we went to Cincinnati, my wife looked at Matthew in the eye and said, don't lose my husband. <laughs> and he, he lost me. He I did everything my wife told him not to do. I walked to a different state. So I, <laughs> if I were Matthew, I wouldn't want to be responsible for me if I'm partying. So I, I would take Houts. We were uh, – it was funny. Well, it wasn't funny at all because we were all sitting in the hotel room like, where is Sutton? We have no <laughs> idea where he is. And we're all looking at each other. And I'm telling to everybody in the room, I said, his wife told me before he left – do not let him get drunk. Do not let him get crazy. Do not lose him. Don't let him get nuts at the game. And I said, yeah, I got it all under control. We're good. And I'm sitting in the hotel like, how am I going to call his wife and tell him we lost sight? Tell her we lost sight. We were ready to dial home back to Cleveland and tell uh, tell his wife. And then he bursts into the room and just acts like nothing's wrong. Like we weren't just searching for him the past three hours. Yeah, that, that fourth quarter, that, that had me in my feels for sure. Yeah. Anyways. All right. We have two more questions come in that we're going to answer tonight. If we didn't get to your question tonight, keep sending them. We will get to them, obviously, as the season goes on. Houts, which one came to you? The one that came to me, and it's a pretty good question. They asked me, which Dolphins player do I think will have the most fantasy impact in a dynasty league? And I mean, it's a pretty good question because when you look at it, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, no one's taking Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Josh Rosen, no value unless it's a super flex. You look at the running backs. I mean, are you going to sit there and do you believe Kenyon Drake is the long-term answer in Miami? Do you believe in Kalen Balazs? I mean, there's lots of options here. For me, oh, man, that is a damn good question. For me, I would go with – I mean, I guess I'd go with Kenyon Drake because of the way running backs are valued in, in fantasy football. There's lots of value at wide receiver. You know, Mike Jasicki has yet to prove that he's capable of – of being a suitable tight end. So for me, I mean, I, I debated whether or not I should take Preston Williams just because of, you know, what he, the potential that he could become. But unless it's a PPR with a bunch of bonuses, I mean, I don't see that that is the right move there. So I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake. All right. And son, how about you? Which one came to your inbox tonight? Um, I had one from uh, this guy. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, that one was from uh, Bill Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Bob Bill Johnson from Iowa, Montana. Thanks for the question. He his question was. Um, You're laughing because the question was so ridiculous. 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> just, just throw it out there. Just just throw it out there. How ridiculous. All right. I'll say it since you can't talk. Yeah. Bill asked us. He said, do you think Josh Rosen is the next coming of Dan Marino? And to me, that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Very good question. That is a – damn, that's a stumper. Yeah. I just – I'm absolutely dumbfounded right now. <laughs> So what's your answer? Yes or no? Is Josh Rosen going to be the next Dan Marino? He thinks Josh Rosen's he, – he wrote this long email thread. He thinks Josh Rosen – Josh Rosen had the worst year of almost any rookie quarterback in NFL history. And eight mini camp breaks with the Dolphins, and this dude thinks Josh Rosen next coming to Dan Marino. He did see that fake spike, though. That could have been it. We, everybody needs to remember that in college, Josh Rosen did pull off that fake spike. So, I mean, that there are true. some similarities there. I'm going to go with uh, no. He's not going to be the next Dan Marino. Sorry, Bill. Yeah, I'm, going, not gonna, not I'm saying yes. Yeah, I'm going to go yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to say that you're both right. Oh, nice. All right. We need, we need to get Bob on sometime. He's a sounds like a good guy. I think his name <laughs> is Bill. All right. With that in mind, since Bill just had a hot take, we're going to give our own hot takes and – you don't know what a hot take is it is one of the craziest things that you could think of but actually it might become a reality but at the time we say it it sounds a bit extreme so Sutton, we'll start with you give us your <sighs> one hot take this week on finsider radio are you ready this isn't even miami dolphins related my Doesn't hot have take. To be. it's just a hot take it's a hot take about matthew canada how oh, are yeah. you ready for this i have just oh, a hell of a theory that I want you to kind of go down this rabbit hole with me, Matthew. You be quiet. Okay. Let me and Houts sort through this, okay? I'm going to fud this. Let's, let's hear it. Let's do it. Okay, so Houts, last week um, we were going to talk about training camp, and Matthew talked for 25 minutes straight about outrage tactics. Outrage tactics. And, and basically what I came to figure out, I mean, he was like middle school girl obsessed with this topic, <laughs> okay? So I'm thinking to myself – okay, Matthew says some outrageous things sometimes. And it dawned on me that the following <laughs> things are true about Matthew Kanata. Number one, he can drink beer. I could. You can drink beer. You just choose to tell people that you can't because oh. it's outrageous that you only have half a beer and you're typing like you don't know how to spell anything, but I think you're just a lazy texter. I don't think it's because you're drunk. So I okay. think you actually can drink multiple, multiple beers and be fine. I also okay. think, and I've never seen proof of this. I don't think you actually watch America's Got Talent. I just think you say it to piss me and how it's off. <laughs> I also don't think Big Taddy is your favorite movie. There's just no way. I think you just say things to piss people off, especially your <laughs> friends. I think you've been able to pronounce quarterback this whole time. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden you can freaking pronounce quarterback. Okay, dude, you're an outrageous douche, and you have outrage tactics coming out your bunghole, and that's my oh, hot take. I, I really hope I don't have to follow that. I mean, I said Josh Rosen was going to be the next damn Reno. Can we just end it with that? I mean, that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. Oh, man. You just Am I right, oh. Matthew? Tell 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 all of our faithful listeners right now if I'm right. At you least on a couple of those. You probably right. don't even do yard work. Do you do yard work or do you just hire yeah. someone and take pictures <laughs> of the athlete? <laughs> I didn't I even think of that one. 
I wish I could do. I wish I could hire some of my wife would not let me hire anybody to do any yard work, unfortunately. But I do enjoy it. Okay, let's go down your list. I could handle more than one or two beers. I will admit I do get buzzed after two. After two IPAs, I'm buzzed. I can text. I just choose to be a lazy texter, and yes. I don't worry about. And I've said this before. I've admitted this before to the group text and our Slack channel with PFN. When I start drinking, I don't care about my spelling mistakes. So I just type and whatever comes out, comes out, and I just send it. So, yes, in a sense, a lazy texter. But I'm not, like, drunk, drunk until about five, six beers. I, I can handle my liquor. You've seen it, Sutton. I yeah, think. exactly. I, I, I can evidence. handle my liquor. Um, I have evidence. You guys just make fun of me. Uh, America's Got Talent. I do watch America's Got Talent. I, I really do. I like that show a lot. That's disappointing. Yeah. Big Daddy, that is probably not my favorite movie. Praise Jesus. Uh, See, I knew at least so what, one of those so what is, is going to stick. I mean, I don't really watch movies, so I don't really have a favorite movie. See, it's that's, just just as, that's just as bad as saying the it's big guy is – I don't, it's watch, just, I don't, it's I don't watch movies. It's just the first thing that comes to mind. Like if you have to ask me what movie have you watched the most and can watch on repeat, it would be draft day, right? Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you even more now. <laughs> yeah, oh, American man. Sniper is also a good movie. American Which one? Watch? Sniper? American Sniper. Okay. All right. I've like watched Fight that. Club, guess, Fight Club guess... or something? Like, throw Fight Club out there, no, man. That's, that's my I've that's never, my I've never seen Fight Club. Oh, my God. I'm not a movie guy. I'm a oh. sports guy. Like, I don't watch TV. I don't watch, besides American Got Talent, I don't watch any TV. I watch the news in the morning when I'm waking up. When I'm ironing my clothes for work, when I'm getting stuff ready for PFN and the Finsider, I'll watch the news. Beyond that, I, I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I, I can't sit and watch a movie for so long as I got so much to do. I got yard work to do. I got PFN to do. I got these podcasts to do. I got two little devil monster children running around trying to hit me with brooms and the cross sticks. It's just <laughs> too much for me. How about quarterback? Have you always been able to pronounce no, quarterback? No, I have not. I really just got it for the first time when we were talking on Finsider Radio. Because my wife and I had talked through it with each other. Like, she had tried to get me to understand how to say it. And then people on Twitter were trying to help me with the phonetical spelling of it. And then it finally just clicked one day. Okay, I got one more. Do you really, yeah. really, deep down in your heart, honestly, like listening to Taylor Swift the most? No, I don't listen to any of her songs. Thank God, dude. <laughs> Thank God. But she is, a, but she is a babe, right? Can we admit to that? Yeah, but uh, the only reason why I, I mention her name so much is, one, my daughter's name is Taylor. And, and two, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift was one of my daughter's favorite songs when she was you know, just a little infant, like one or two years old, was just dancing to it. It's one of the first songs she like really loved and danced to and everything else. So it just has like a soft spot in my heart. But... Taylor Swift, no, I could care less about Taylor Swift. <laughs> but it's a great way to get people going. Well, so, it obviously pisses me off. You know, I'm a heavy metal guy, so any pop radio is just so, instantly uh, I mean, offending hot, to me. This, this hot take segment kind of took a left turn here, but I kind of like it. I think we should maybe just change this whole segment to... Roast the, each what, other. What's the real truth? Or yeah, roast each other. Uh, next, two truths and a lie. Next week, it's house. Yeah, good thing my mic won't. Good thing my mic won't work, and I'm going to have to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so next week it will be house we roast. So Sutton and I, we have all week to think about that and what we're going Shit, to do. That, house. What the hell? That, that's a, I, I had no idea. I had no idea that we were doing this, and 
it, you just it was you basically Sutton just destroyed you. I I didn't get to say anything. So do you, do you have any hot takes, outs to roast me? No, since we're, my, since we're doing this as a segment now. No, because you pretty much confessed that you can drink beer, which is what I always went to, and yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you do like America's Got Talent. But I kind of figured that was something that your family enjoyed watching together, so I kind of pushed that to the side. But I don't know about those movies, man. That's yeah. that's disappointing. We'll, we'll, but we'll, we'll kind of figure that out. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get my uh, flame repellent suit on because this is gonna be bad next week, real bad. It's gonna be real bad. You're right. It's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. But what I can tell you is there has not been a lot of bad news around the NFL. Let's take a trip to the latest headlines. The Titans have inked Kevin Bird to a five-year, $70.5 million contract just on July 24th, Wednesday evening. The deal includes a whopping $31 million guaranteed, only $1 million short of Earl Thomas's guarantees upon signing with the Ravens this offseason. on Johnson, linebacks, running backs coach Kyle Kasky said nobody's setting a number on how many touches Johnson receives this coming season. Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians said Chris Godwin will never come off the field and that is big news for fantasy football players who have been high on Godwin since last season and now with an offensive-minded head coach and a Rejuvenated and motivated Jameis Winston, there should be really good things in store for the Buccaneers offense for Chris Godwin and Jameis Winston moving forward. Darius Juice, Redskins head coach Jay Gruden, saying he will not be limited at training camp. Juice coming off a torn ACL from last season. Lots of injury risk there, but he will be full go once they open camp and get going. Julian Edelman went broken thumb on the inactive pup list. He can come off the list at any time, and his status for week one is in zero doubt. Finally, with the New York Giants. While Daniel Jones has exceeded expectations to this point, there is no question that Eli Manning, barring any kind of injury, will open the season as the starter for the Giants. Now, Eli Manning obviously getting much older and much less productive, had a great career, but the torch will be passed soon enough, possibly as soon as the Giants bye week when they have it later this season. And that leads us into the talk about the Miami Dolphins quarterbacks when they have their bye week, as that is an ideal spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick to pass the torch over to Josh Rosen. I don't think anyone's expecting Josh Rosen to begin the season as a Dolphins starting quarterback. But Sutton and Houts, what are you looking for over the next several weeks? And obviously we have no say in it, but we can read the reports, see everything, kind of read the tea leaves here and have the inside information coming from the building. But Houts, where are you seeing this quarterback competition landing up? Yeah, for me, I mean, you look at it, and I just want to see Josh Rosen so, show some progress throughout the offseason, throughout training camp and preseason. I don't expect him to win the starting job because you look at this team, they're obviously going to, you know, flock to a veteran, a veteran presence. The guy had been in the NFL for, what, 15, 16 years. He's 36 years old, traveled all throughout the, the NFL with different teams. I do think he's going to end up being the guy that this coaching staff trusts, being the guy that you know, the Dolphins go into the regular season with. But, I mean, if anyone's going to sit here and tell me that Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing 16 games, there's absolutely no way that's going to happen. So, for me, I think that's going to be the best bet. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts, plays four weeks. Dolphins have their – plays four weeks. Dolphins have their bye. He comes back against Washington. Or Josh Rosen comes in against Washington. That's when the Josh Rosen era begins. You sit there and you have, what, 12 games to get a good uh, evaluation on him. I think depending on how he plays out the rest of the season, I mean, maybe you stick with him and you draft a defense, an edge rusher next season or, or who knows. But for me, I'd like to see Josh Rosen go in there and just completely dismantle Ryan Fitzpatrick. But truth is, unless, you know, he he's completely different than what everyone saw last year as a rookie or completely different than what everyone said at OTAs, I don't see that happening. 
I just want to, I hope there's some good tape at the end of the season for Josh Rose. And I think that's my goal. I think uh, in terms of the highest ceiling that we can reach with Josh Rose and a is uh, would be franchise quarterback, but then a close second would be, you know, can we get a good stretch, whether that's in the <clears throat> starting in the middle of the season to the end of the season where we can get a stretch where Josh Rosen puts some really good tape on and either we are in a really good position uh, with that quarterback room. Presumably we're still going to go and, and get someone in the 2020 draft. Uh, so we could either have a very lethal quarterback room or we put ourselves in a Matt Flynn, Kevin Cobb sort of situation where we, we have a backup guy that ends up showing some tape with some starting material on there. And uh, hopefully we'd be able to kind of flip him for a better pick. So that would be kind of another ideal scenario there. I, I do agree with House that I think Fitzpatrick ends up winning the job and playing for the first, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to speculate on, on how many games. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of yellow throws and uh, we'll have a gunslinger type of feel to it, which will hopefully be fun at times. It will be depressing at times. Uh, but by the begin, I'm sorry, by the middle towards the end of the season, would like to see Rosen come in and get some good quality tape on there. And hopefully he's able to make the most of it. The Dolphins will open the season against the Ravens at home, against the Patriots at home, then travel to Dallas, then host the Chargers at home. Then they have their bye week, week five this season. Then they come back week six against the Redskins at home. Everyone's saying the bye week because that's the best way to transition to a new quarterback. If Fitzpatrick starts the season three and one, two and two, they may be a little more hesitant. Obviously, one and three, oh and four would spark a quarterback change to see what the Dolphins have there. But the Ravens, you know, they have, they've had the Dolphins number the past several years. It seems like the past decade or whatever, ever since they've been an NFL franchise, have had the Dolphins number. But this is a new coach. This is a new defense who have had success against the Ravens in the past. And Lamar Jackson, a running quarterback, we can see, you know, the Dolphins take this opening game. The Patriots will be a tough matchup, as always, and the Cowboys as well. And the Chargers don't discount them, but they do have trouble flying to the East Coast. The Dolphins seem to always have their numbers. So three and one, two and two is not out of the question to begin the season. But again, that week, six week there against the Redskins at home. Then you got go travel to Buffalo, then travel to Pittsburgh, then host the Jets. Rough schedule all around. Going to be a very tough season for the Dolphins. But in my opinion, it's a win-win either way. We're either going to know we have the quarterback of the future and see that this coaching staff can actually coach and this team has some talent and finish somewhere around seven and nine, eight and eight. Or the Dolphins are going to totally bomb, understand they don't have their quarterback of the future, understand they still may have a good coaching staff and be able to get their quarterback for the next decade or so in the upcoming draft when they have a high pick, hopefully top three, to snag one of the top quarterbacks there. Training camp opens up Thursday morning. If you're listening to this on Thursday, the Miami Dolphins football is back. We are ready for another season. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Because as we all know, it can end as quickly as it begins. Any last thoughts as we kick off another year of Finsider Radio, Sun and House? No, just excited for football to be back. And one other noteworthy thing from around the league, Mike Daniels was released from the Green Bay Packers. Yes, he was. Yeah, for me, I'm just excited that football is finally back again. I got to thank Kevin for many years ago introducing me to the two of you guys. I mean, I know it's been a rough road, you know, in and out, but Overall, I think that we made a pretty awesome podcast. I'm excited for the fourth season of the Finsider, Finsider Radio. And, you know, I, I hope the Dolphins show, like Sutton said, enough promise that, you know, Josh Rosen is that guy. Next year they have that 
uh, treasure chest of picks. They got all that cap space. I mean, if Josh Rosen is the guy, the Dolphins are going to be in a damn good situation moving forward. Training camp, as I said, begins, and we will see how this all shakes out as the Dolphins begin to shape their team in the future moving forward. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll be back again on Friday morning with the Finsider Daily and, of course, every day throughout the week, throughout the course of the season. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you later. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.